Welcome to the Deep Bible Studies Podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I'm your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will be talking about the Gospel. This will probably be the longest and most important episode of the whole podcast. This is why the podcast even exists, and this is the base of every other podcast, which will, by the way, not be this long. The gospel is the word that is constantly thrown around without truly being defined, explained, and talked about, other than Jesus died for you, which he did, but what does this truly mean? Broken down, the gospel, euangelion, means good news. Good news about what? Well, to know the gospel, you first need to know who God is. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. God is a triune being, which means three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God never had a beginning and he will never have an end. In Revelation 22, 13, God says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is not restricted by the very things he created. For example, time, matter, and space. He is sovereign over all creation. And in his immutable, loving, and just nature, authored a glorious story of redemption. The pinnacle of his creation was mankind, human, whom he breathed life into. They were created without sin, with perfect fellowship with God himself, given the freedom to rule and enjoy all of God's creation. And they had one single limitation of not eating the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in a garden, full of all kinds of nutritious variations of fruit. But they were tempted by Satan and gave in to the human pride desire of wanting to become like God, wanting to be our own gods and rule apart from him with their and ultimately our own knowledge. Because of this, the perfect fellowship we were created to have with God is now distorted and damaged. Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Because of this, the just wrath of God is upon us. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 1-3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among who we were all once lived in, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now I'm sure you're probably asking yourself, I thought God is love. Why would he do this? Because God is love, he must hate human sin. For example, do you love Jews? I'm hoping you said yes. Well, you must hate the Holocaust. Do you love innocent children? Like a little brother, a son, daughter, little sister? Well, abuse, neglect, and abortion should be things that disgust you. If you have anger towards this as a sinner, imagine the just wrath that a holy God must have towards sinful men. Now, maybe you're thinking, I could just follow the law. Problem, we can't. We have already broken all of them. Have you lied? I know I have. Have you stolen? I have. Have you lusted? Have you hated someone? Have you said God's name in vain? 
we have been cursed with the inability to follow the law. And you can go to Genesis 3 if you want to see that. And our natural tendency is to seek the best for ourselves. Doing what the law requires is perfectly impossible. John MacArthur describes it this way. The law reveals our sin, but it cannot save us. It is a mirror. It reveals our need, our sickness. Well, going back to the questions I asked you, if you answered yes to all of them, you have just told me you are a lying, stealing, adulterer at heart, and murderer at heart, and blasphemer. And I'm not judging you, because I was the same. I am the same apart from God. Well, so far this doesn't sound like very good news, does it? But let's finish Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, being so rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But Jesus, the only Son of God, 100% God and 100% man, God intervened in his own story to take upon the condemnation we lowly sinners deserve. This is why one of the most beautiful things in the gospel is actually the wrath of God, because Christ on the cross is magnified. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. That is why we needed a perfect sacrifice. Blood had to be shed for the sins committed. And Jesus lived the perfect life in full communion with the Father. He lived the life that we cannot live. This is important because if this had not been so, he would have needed a savior and he would not have been God. Jesus is the spotless and perfect sacrifice. The cross is the tremendous and only revelation of the attributes of God in full. Justice because he condemned our sin. Love because only man can walk the earth, but only God can carry his own wrath. Isaiah 53.10 says, It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him pain. However, his life was given as a sin offering. While Jesus was on that cross, in the middle of the day a darkness that was not natural overtook the sky, and then Jesus cried out in Matthew 27, 46, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? God crushed him with his very wrath, which was supposed to be for us. He who never knew sin became sin, says 2 Corinthians 5.21, because he bore our sin. The eternal Son of God left his throne and came into this filthy world to bear our sins and be crushed by his own Father and die for you and for me. That is the importance of the cross. Jesus was our substitute. It pleased God to hurt him from the amount of sin that he carried. Christ bore the wrath of God to the point of death and God's justice against the world was satisfied by Christ alone. He turned the cup of God's wrath and not a single drop came out. 
This means that it was paid in full. It is finished, he yelled in John 1930, right before he died. He died publicly at the religious center of the world so that God's condemnation towards sin upon him, his only son, might be seen and so that his indescribable saving grace might be known. Only man can walk the earth, but only God can carry his own wrath, die, but rise again on the third day as he promised. Nabil Qureshi once said, you see, anyone can call themselves the son of God, but if they tell you that they'll die and rise again on the third day, that is someone to pay attention to. You see, Jesus rising again from the dead proves him to be the true eternal God. It is only in the resurrected Christ that we are declared righteous and our fellowship and relationship with God is restored. This is important because this means that what Christ did on the cross was sufficient. And so now you might be asking yourself, why would he do this? Because of love, because God is love. John Piper says in his book, God is the Gospel, quote, When I say that God is the Gospel, I mean that he is the highest, best, final, decisive good of the Gospel, without which no other gifts would be good, as the glory of God in the face of Christ revealed for our everlasting enjoyment. The saving love of God is God's commitment to do everything necessary to enthrall us with what is most deeply and durably satisfying namely himself." Unquote. You are only saved from the eternal judgment and punishment by Christ. Only by the blood of Jesus. That is the only thing that cleanses us from the filth of our own sif sinful flesh. Not your works, not your methods, not your religious methods, not your riches, nothing. Jesus said it in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Again, not through works, not through religious methods, and not through your worldly riches. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is only one God and only one mediator who can reconcile humanity to God, and he is the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to buy everyone's freedom. This is the message that God gave the world at just the right time. There is a God, eternal and completely worthy of all adoration and honor, and he has made it possible for you to go to him and enjoy him. The gospel is not just a ticket to heaven, but we have a relationship with the holy, holy, holy God who created three trillion stars in just one galaxy apart from us and yet knows your name and died for you so that you might be reconciled to him. You see, I want to point this out. The point of the gospel is not just eternal life. What does eternal life lead you to? God. It's not just a ticket to heaven. Heaven is in God's presence. You see, the gospel is about Christ. It's about Jesus. He is the ultimate gift. Nothing apart from him will be all satisfying. And you might search through all your life, but you will not. And at the end, you will know Christ crucified is the wisdom and power of God. The point of the Bible is God. And in glory, we have been declared righteous before his presence and we are going to enjoy it for the rest of eternity. Enjoy him for the rest of eternity. You can find more information on our website, 
www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram at Deep Bible Studies and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.